0: Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Numbers chapter 14, verses 26 through 38. And this is uh, at a sad moment in the history of Israel. They have um, been brought out of slavery in Egypt, and they are being taken to the land that God had promised uh, their forefathers years ago. And they had gone to Mount Sinai, and God had said, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people. This is how we're to live together in, uh, in this new land where I'm taking you. And they get to the land, and before they go in, they send in 12 spies. I've, I'm not going to sing the song for you today, but maybe you know it by now. And the 12 spies go in, and when they come back out, uh, two of them say, it is a great land. And if God is going to give it to us, uh, let's go. But the other ten said, it is great land, but there's no way we could ever take it. And so they uh, responded more out of fear than out of faith. And so they don't go into the land. And so this is at, uh, at that point in their history, right when they are not going in. This is Numbers chapter 14, verses 26 through 38, and before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made, and God, we thank you for your word which you have given to us. But Lord, we know that it is not enough to have your word near us, we need to have it in us. So Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear it today, give us eyes to see it, and Lord, give us hearts that are ready to receive it into our hearts, into our lives. or that you would, by your word and by your spirit, continue to change us into the people that you have made us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Numbers 14, verses 26 through 38. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with an uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. For 40 years, one, for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community, which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in this wilderness. Here they will die. So the men Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Of the men who went in, who went to explore the land, only Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh survived. turning into our New Testament lesson. This is Ephesians chapter four, verses 25, starting in verse 25 and going on through chapter five, verse two. And I actually, I printed that and I've thought better of it. We're going to back up a little bit farther. Uh, In start with verse 22 of chapter four, it says you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we are looking again at John chapter 6. We've been in John chapter 6 for several weeks, and we are continuing there today. And before we do, I think I need to uh, finish the children's sermon from just a little bit ago. I hope you're paying attention. I said that we would be talking about one more um, article of clothing that would be appropriate for certain places. And I think this is the one that actually really helps capture what it is that Jesus is talking about. Uh, Jesus actually starts this particular section by telling the people to stop grumbling. Because the things that he has been saying, um, they're not sure they want to listen to what he's saying. They're not sure they want to accept it. And we'll see next week how they respond. And basically most of them just leave. because the claims he's making are big claims. And so we're going to take a look at what those are and what that means for us. But I think the uh, best way to set this up is to think about it in terms of a spacewalk. So uh, you can imagine somebody like uh, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. Pick your favorite astronaut. Living might be better, but, you know, whatever. And uh, But you have an astronaut... Who has done this before. They've been out there. Uh, and they're, now you are there. In fact, there's a group of us. We all just get taken on a rocket. And uh, we end up out in space. And we're getting ready to go out on whatever new planet this is. And, and yet, we've not done that before. What we've experienced is life here in this environment. And so we, you know, we've seen astronauts on TV. We've seen that sort of thing before. And so we start um, you know, piecing together our own you know, duct taping things that kind of look like a spacesuit. And then your astronaut of choice comes in and says, what are you guys doing? Well, you know, we've got to get ready. <laughs> That's not going to cut it. No, if you're going to go out there, if you're actually going to survive in this environment, which is different than what you've known before, if you're going to really survive out there, You need to put on one of these. And you can imagine everybody then looking at him and going, I don't see the difference. I think what I've got is just fine. I think you've got some hose tube thing. I found a hose and I taped it up and I think we're good to go. It's like, no, no, you don't understand what this is doing and how this will protect you in this environment you're going into. If you go out there with what you have on now, you will die. We kind of put ourselves in that situation because I think that is the conversation that Jesus is having with people at the synagogue in Capernaum on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He's having that same kind of conversation with these people. And now they have to decide it's a, it's a life or death sort of decision-making time. Are they going to listen to the one who's been there and done it and knows what it means to survive in this different environment that they can even imagine? Or are they going to stick with their own thing? That's the conversation uh, that's happening and uh, it is it is the same kind of situation that we live more than we may realize. This is John chapter 6 starting in verse 43. Um, The people have been fed in the wilderness by Jesus. They've come across, followed him uh, to Capernaum. They found him there. He's now teaching in the synagogue and when he's calling himself the bread of life they just want to eat more bread and they even start saying how can he say he came down from heaven we know his parents right verse 23 stop grumbling among yourselves jesus answered no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and i will raise them up at the last day it is written in the prophets they will all be taught by god Everyone who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Do you understand what Jesus is saying? Did the crowds understand what he was what he was saying? This is one of. Uh, it's considered one of Jesus' most offensive teachings. It is offensive, I think, for a couple reasons. One, because, I mean, let's be honest, it sounds gross. And so when he says, You have to eat my flesh, you have to drink my blood, and everybody goes, Ooh, no, that's disgusting. We're not doing that. Right? Anybody have that as an initial reaction when Jesus starts talking like this? You're like, No, no, no. Use a different metaphor, Jesus. That one's gross. There's a reason he talks this way, though. And I think one of the reasons he talks this way is because it's gross. It's because it's a way of uh, kind of shocking people awake, getting the attention and having people go, wait, what did he say? Does he said eat his flesh? That's disgusting. What is he talking about? So I think that's one of the reasons. But I think there's another reason that's more important than that, and that has to do with the meaning behind this phrase. What is Jesus talking about when he says you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood? Anybody thinking maybe communion? Nope. (laughs) It's good to be thinking communion. It is. Because what communion is talking about and what Jesus is talking about here are the same thing. But I think we miss it when we just jump straight from this to, oh, Jesus is saying we're supposed to take communion. If we take communion, we live forever. That's what it's saying. And people have gone that route. That's not what he's talking about. When he says, eating my flesh and drinking my blood, there's something else that he's talking about. Any ideas? There's a whole lot of that right in here. Here's, here's what's going on. Um, keep in mind that the whole way through this book, John has been telling us, who Jesus is, right? And people miss it all the time. And throughout uh, (laughs) the last 2,000 years, people continually have trouble holding together that that Jesus is fully human and fully divine at the same time. Fully, both. Fully, both at the same time. And so what ends up happening is it's hard to kind of hold those together in your head. And so you go, well... You take a little easier route. Okay, I get it. Jesus was God. Okay. He's fully God. Got it. And then people will say, in which case, he wasn't really a person. He wasn't really human. He just appeared to be human. People thought he was human, but he wasn't really human. And all through the New Testament, the authors say, no. (laughs) No, he was, yes, he was fully God, but he was truly human. This is someone who ate and who drank and who got tired and who wept and who uh, washed the feet of his disciples. This is somebody who was, if there was ever somebody who was truly human, it's him. (laughs) Maybe more so than anybody else in history, this is a true human being, truly human. And so then people kind of go on the other side and go, okay, got it, got it, yeah, yeah, truly human, really neat guy. But let's not go so far as to say he was God. And again, all through the New Testament, the author is saying, No. Yes, he was truly human, but he's also truly God in the flesh. That he is truly um, divine fully. And so you see these things the whole way through what we've seen so far in John. It's all the things that Jesus said and did show that he is both fully human and fully divine together. And so when we're looking at what it means to eat his flesh, And drink his blood, I think one of the places we have to look is at the very opening part of, uh, well, no, we'll take it in this order. Let's get back to chapter four in John. Go ahead, turn there. This is right after Jesus has uh, spoken with the Samaritan woman at the well, and the disciples come back, and they've been getting food, and Uh, so in verse 31, it says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Hmm. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Verse 34, my food said Jesus is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Interesting. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. So Jesus is talking here about food that's not a physical food. He's talking about feeding on something spiritually, something that actually is life-giving in a way that food points to. But there's so much more than that. In fact, if you go uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 8, you'll see this is where Jesus quotes this, in a temptation in the wilderness. You remember this? Satan comes to him and says, Why don't you turn these stones into bread? You know, you're hungry, haven't eaten in a while. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Here we have the uh, reminder of the manna and what that was all about. It says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. What was the whole point of the manna? It was to teach you that you do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so, uh, do you need to eat food? Of course you need to eat food. But what it's saying is there's actually something that's more important than just physical food. And it's a spiritual nourishment of that uh, continual relationship with God, right? This feeding on the word of God, letting the word go into you like food it does, taking it into you uh, internally, letting it change you, uh, the person that you are from the inside out, helping it to grow you and strengthen you and nourish you as it goes in deep. That's what this is talking about. To have the word of God become your life. Now go back to John chapter one. When we, look, when we look at how it is that John first is talking about Jesus, he describes him as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. If you skip down to verse 14 then, And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So when Jesus says, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, is he talking about cannibalism? No. Is he talking merely about communion? No. But it's the same thing that communion points to, which is, having the life of Jesus, the living word of God in the flesh, become our life. That he, we believe, is not... <laughs> it's not just that we can say that he is, oh yeah, he's the way, he's the truth the life, but he becomes our way, he becomes our truth, he becomes our life. That's what this is about. That's what it's talking about when it says to uh, eat his flesh and to drink his blood. And that's why I say, you know, one reason that he uses this is because it's kind of shocking, gets our attention. But the other reason is what a what better way to say it. What better way to say that what you need, if you're going to survive in this environment of the kingdom of God, is you need my suit on you. You need my life in you. You need to eat take it in and let it change you from the inside out. If you don't, you will not make it. You will not survive. And instead, the response we have from the people who are listening to him say this in the synagogue there is the same response that you had from the Israelites in the wilderness with Moses. The grumbling, the murmuring, the, I don't know. I don't think he knows what he's talking about. I don't think his way is the right way. I think I know what's better than that. And it all, all of that grumbling, all of that murmuring, all of it is just echoes. It's echoes of the serpent whispering with Eve at the tree in the Garden of Eden. And she looks at the fruit that she knows she's not supposed to take. But you know what? looks like it's good for food. It's pleasing to the eye. Really, there's no reason not to take it except for the word of God. But what does he know? And that is the whole thing. And that is the uh, position that the Israelites were in when they send the spies into the land. And they look at it all. And they say, there's no way we could take it Take the land, except, you know, for the word of God. But what does he know? And so they stay out. And now we have the people listening to Jesus at the synagogue and saying, take his life into into ourselves. Is he the one who knows better than we? What does he know? And as we see, though, he is the one. He is the one who does know. And so they are faced with the same decision Adam and Eve are faced at the tree and with the same result. What is it that uh, that Adam and Eve were forfeiting when they took from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? It broke re- the relationship with God, but what did he tell them? The day you eat of it, you'll surely die. And so what happens? They're in the garden, they have access to the tree of life. And once they take from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they're now outside of the garden and no longer have access to the tree of life. Now they will die. And what Jesus is saying is go take a look. Look at it again. What Jesus is saying right here is, I am the tree of life. Right? When he talks about eating his own flesh and drinking his blood. And you will live forever. What is that thing? But he, he's putting himself in the place of the tree of life. You don't walk away from this offer. Unless, like Adam and Eve, you think you know better. Unless, like the people we talked about at the very beginning, where you're on this spacecraft, <laughs> getting ready to get off the rocket, and you've duct taped something together that you go, you know, this looks close enough. I don't see what the big deal is. I don't know why I need to listen to this guy. I mean, sure, he's done it before, but come on. What does he know? I mentioned uh, that this is a, uh, a life or death decision moment for these people at that synagogue. And I think one of the important parts to remember, I think one of the reasons that John points out where this is taking place I think part of it is just sort of locate this in real time, real place, reminding people this is real history. We're not making this up. But another reason that he points out that it's in the synagogue is that the very people who should have been ready to receive this message are the same people who then walk away. They were the church people, right? They were there in the synagogue. They were the people who, if you had asked them, would have said, of course we listen to the word of God. Of course we take the word of God seriously. That's why we're here. But then, when the Word of God is standing there in flesh in front of them, they say, No, I don't think so. I like my way better. And I point this out because this has been said before um, a lot of times just being in a church sanctuary does not make you a Christian in the same way that just being in a garage does not make you a car. You've heard that before. But it's good to be reminded that what Jesus is talking about is taking his life into your life, that it's not about a once-a-week uh, you know, singing songs kind of a thing. It is about living his life in every part of your life, letting him change you from the inside out in the same way that food changes you when you eat it. more illustrations we're going to finish up. Um, you know what happens if you don't brush your teeth, right? If you just stop brushing your teeth completely, what happens? You get a cavity, you get a bad taste in your mouth. Given long enough, what's going to happen to them? They're going to fall out, right? You all know this. But then you also know this. If you just skip brushing your teeth one time, do they fall out yet? No. And so, <laughs> and so you could skip brushing your teeth and go, they're still fine. I think all the people telling me you got to brush your teeth, I think they're just lying to you because mine are still fine. And then you go another day and you're like, mm, mm, they're getting kind of fuzzy and getting a taste in my mouth. But you know what? They're still fine. And my sister, who's a dentist, talks about it like your teeth are wearing sweaters. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. If if you know that, start brushing. Anyway, um. So, you, but you could go for a while and go. They're still fine. They're still fine. I don't see what all the big fuss is. But you know that, given long enough, that is what's coming, right? In the same way, if you don't, if you stop exercising one day, you've been exercising. It, you, but you stop one day, you miss a day, you go, eat. I'm still just as strong and healthy as I was yesterday. Let's see the big deal. Maybe I don't need to do this all the time after all. And then, you know, given a week, a month, a year, 10 years, um, the effects are there. When Jesus is talking about eating, I mean, come on, you miss a meal, you don't die. But you keep missing meals you do. And Jesus is talking about needing to take him in. He talks about it with Nicodemus as being born again, because this is a whole change in, uh, in your whole life as, as radical as being born, but it's not a one-time thing. And that's it. So you got to keep, you gotta stay alive. You got to keep on eating. <laughs> and so he says, you got to take me into your life. And let me continue to nourish you and strengthen you for this life. You cannot do this on your own. You will not survive. Um, the reason I bring this up is it's so easy, I think, to not notice when you drift. Hebrews 2, 1, I think is where it is, says let us pay the most careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. And I think for those of us who have heard, it's the Easiest to drift away. And little by little, you go, well, I missed my quiet time this morning. Well, I missed meeting with my small group. Well, I missed church this last week. And I'm still fine. I'm still fine. still fine i do not see what the big deal is. Maybe it's not such a problem after all. And before you know it, you're much farther away than you realized. This is why C.S. Lewis in the screw tape (coughs) letters, such a way with words. He says, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. That's where I think Jesus is trying to wake people up. with this shocking turn of phrase of eating his flesh and drinking his blood because we need to see the signposts. We need to see the milestones, recognizing where we are. And so what I'm going to say is if you are on the broad road and you realize that, know that the broad road is the one that leads to destruction, as Jesus says. If that's the road you're on, take a look where you are and see where that's headed. Do you have people around you who will call you on it when you say things that you shouldn't say or do things you shouldn't do? Or have you surrounded yourself with people who will cheer you on when you say things you shouldn't say and do things you shouldn't do? Check where you are. And if you're on a road that's leading to destruction, I have good news. There is an exit right here, right now, to go to Jesus and the way of life. I do need to caution you, though. I say there's a, an exit now, and it's because there's always an exit. And the problem is people hear that there's always an exit and say, well, then I'll take one later. And here's the caution. If you're on this broad road, the longer you're on that road, the harder it is to notice any exits or take any of them. You'll increasingly get bunched in the left lane. And then even if you do see an exit, you're like, well, it's all the way over there. So what I'm saying is if you notice that's where you are, there is an exit now and you need to take it now. Before you drift any farther. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. Lord, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. Lord, we pray that you would help us. or draw us to yourself. Lord, give us ears that can hear your calling to us. Come to you. Lord, enable us by your spirit. Lord, give us a life that is true life. And Lord, we pray that you would Keep us alert as we are so prone to wander, as the hymn says. As we are quick to drift, help us to recognize those signs early. Lord, that we would be a people constantly repenting, constantly turning back to you again and again, instead of a people who just drift. Lord, help us to believe and take you at your word that Jesus is the bread of life, that he is the way and the truth and the life, that he is your word made flesh. Lord, we pray all these. In the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power. In the glory forever. Amen.